Well, your pastor, he's a close horse. That's the name they used to have for that. You knew that, right? He, he, likes, he likes the clothes. I'm going to tell you how he got into that. He's a young man. He's traveling with his dad, and he saw a sign in the store window. It said, suits, $5 each. Shirts, $2 each. Slacks, two fifty each. His, his, the wheels got turning. He's about 17, 18 years old. He thought, man, I'd buy, I'd buy every one of those. Take them back home, sell the suits for 10 times that. Shirts and pants, 20 times that. I'll make a killing. So he went in the store, just as confident as he could be. He said, I want 100 of those uh, $5 suits. I want 200 of those $2 shirts. I want every pair of those $2.50 slacks you got. That man looked at him. He said, son, this is a dry cleaner. <laughs> so, so, that was his introduction to high fashion right there. So, amen. All right. Fellow said his wife brought his best friend home for dinner unannounced at 5.30 after work. His wife began screaming at him. His friend just sat and listened. My hair and makeup are not done. The house is a mess. The dishes aren't done. I'm still in my pajamas. And you knew I wasn't cooking tonight. What would you bring him here for? He said, because he's my best friend. And he's thinking about getting married. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's go to Mark chapter number 5. Let this saying sink down into your ears. <laughs> Let's go to Mark chapter number 5 and see if we can just have an enjoyable time with something tonight. We are, and I say we, I'm talking about our church, your church, churches similar to ours. We are dispensational. And when you say that, that opens up the proverbial can of worms. What we mean is we recognize a difference between Israel and the church. We recognize the difference between the Old Testament law and the New Testament doctrines of the church. We recognize the difference between the rapture and the second coming. We recognize the difference between the body of Christ and the remnant of Israel. We, we, we make divisions in the Bible. Now, we don't, want, we don't take a chainsaw and chop the Bible into pieces and don't allow anybody to look at any piece that's not our piece. That's not, that's not what we do. But we recognize these distinctions in the Bible. And, that, and because we do that, we're able to have some, some great fun tonight with a passage in Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse number 22. And this is a most unusual passage of Scripture. In the four Gospels, we have recorded many, many, many miracles that Jesus wrought. And it's a joy to read them. We read one, then another, and then another, and then another. But in, in Mark 5, we have something quite unique. We have a miracle with another miracle inserted in the middle of the narrative of that miracle. So we start with, we're, we're on our way to the performance of a miracle. We're interrupted with the insertion of a second miracle. And then we finish the account of the first miracle. And there's a reason for it. It's really interesting. 
Mark chapter 5, verse 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, that's Jesus, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, see, we've shifted gears. He's on his way to Jairus' house to answer his request for healing. He's going to heal that, that daughter of the ruler of the synagogue. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Remember him? Jairus, the daughter, which, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any farther? Now, look down verse 42. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. Okay, let's talk first of all about this woman. Jesus is on his way to respond to the request of Jairus to heal his daughter who is sick. While Jesus is on the way to raise this little girl up and restore her to health. Now, by the way, I believe both, both of these miracles happen just like they're written. We're, we're, not, we're not denying the literal of what is here. We're just talking about the spiritual application of the picture this evening. While Jesus is on his way to answer this man's request and to raise this little girl from the dead, a woman comes in out of nowhere and receives a miraculous healing... And then the Lord resumes his course and his path as he's making his way to Jairus' house to heal that little girl. May I say to you tonight, and then, and then we'll try to establish this from Scripture, what we have here is a tremendous picture of God's dealing throughout Old Testament times with the nation of Israel. And then Israel being set aside... As God prepares a bride for himself, and then as soon as that woman receives the healing that she sought, then the Lord resumes his dealing with Jairus and his household, just as when the body of Christ is complete, the Lord is going to resume his dealing with the nation of Israel and visit them and heal them and restore them. It's quite a picture that we have here. Now let's start with a woman. The Bible says in verse number 25, a certain woman, she's unknown, she's unnamed. She has no prehistory whatsoever. She just shows up out of nowhere. 
You know, if you read that Old Testament, we can look back now, we can see types and we can see shadows and we can say, well, this represents this and this represents that. I'm telling you right now, had you read every page of that Old Testament prior to the writing of the New Testament epistles, you would not see a church, you would not find a church, you would not recognize a church. It's as though the, the thing sprung up out of nowhere. For 39 books of the Bible, really, really, for 43 books of the Bible, It's Israel, 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 and then suddenly, here comes this bride of Christ. Suddenly, here comes this woman. She wasn't promised. She wasn't predicted. She wasn't anticipated. She wasn't, there's no preparation for her. It's just suddenly we have this woman stepping on the scene. Now, the Bible says, as we continue on, a certain woman's had an issue of blood 12 years. Now, how how old was that little girl? She's 12 years old. So here's what we learn. This woman had been sick as long as that girl had been alive. As long as there had been a nation of Israel, the Gentiles had been sick. As long as that girl had been alive, as long as that nation of Israel had been alive in this world, the Gentiles had been slowly but surely deteriorating and inching their way closer and closer to death. Now look what the Bible says in the next verse. Verse number 26, she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. You know what the Gentiles did? The whole time God was, was, was calling out Abraham. The whole time God was dealing with the patriarchs. The whole time God was calling the children of Israel out of Egypt. The whole time God was giving them the law and bringing them through the wilderness. The whole time God was establishing them in the promised land. You know what the heathen were doing? Well, let's try Chemosh. Let's try Molech. Let's try the sun god. Let's try Baal. Let's try the moon god. Let's light a bonfire. Let's carve a totem pole. Let's throw our babies in the fire. Let's burn our wives on the funeral pyre with our husband. They tried one religion after another, and it didn't work. They tried one God after another, and it didn't help them. In fact, they just got worse and worse and worse and worse until they seemingly had no hope whatsoever. In fact, the Lord looked around and He said, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. There is none that seeketh after God. This woman represents the entire race of man dwelling in darkness with the exclusion of that one little peculiar people, the nation of Israel. She's trying everything. She's spending everything. She's taking a chance on this and a chance on that. And every single day she's closer to her doom than she was the day before. What happened? Well, the Bible says in verse number 27, when she had heard of Jesus. You know what the hope is for Micronesia? When they heard of Jesus. You know what the hope is for Central Africa? When they heard of Jesus. You know what the hope is for Mongolia? When they heard of Jesus. You know what the hope is of Saudi Arabia? When they heard of Jesus. This woman, she didn't have a history of a priesthood. She didn't have a history of an altar of sacrifices. She didn't have a history of going down to the synagogue and having the roll open and hearing the Word of God read. She is alone in the world without hope, without God. She's an alien from every covenant and every 
promise. She has no history with the Lord. She has no written revelation from the Lord. But one day, she heard about Jesus. Thanks be to God. Now, you know something? You might not have been raised in church. You might not have been raised in a church. It was a biblical church. You might have had this religion and that religion or no religion. But one day, one day, you heard about Jesus. And so when she heard about Jesus, the Bible said she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, this, this, to me, this is a blessing. And I, I don't, I don't want to have any conflict with your pastor whatsoever. So this has nothing to do with anything he might have ever said or taught or anything whatsoever. I'm just telling you, this woman came to Jesus the best she knew how. She didn't come intelligently. She didn't come correctly. She didn't come with scripture knowledge. She didn't come with any foundation at all. She just said, you know what? I've tried everything else and I'm going to die. And I heard about a man named Jesus who makes people well. And I'm going to go, you know what? If I could touch the hem of his garment, he'll make me whole. Chapter and verse. Come on, give me one scripture in Leviticus that says, touch the hem of his garment, you'll be whole. Give me one time when a prophet said to anybody, if you could just grab the bottom of his clothes, tell me one thing Jesus said in three and a half years of public ministry that would make anybody think that's what you got to do to get healed. She didn't know anything except she was dying. She didn't know anything except everything she tried hadn't helped. And she heard about Jesus and said, I'm going to get to him and I'm going to lay hold on him and I'm going to put my hope and my faith and my trust in Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you something. Now that I've been been saved almost 40 years, you know what the hardest part to me is about giving people the gospel? Just telling them what they need to know. Not everything I know. Man, I hear these preachers saying, let me tell you something. If you, if you don't understand regeneration, if you don't know what justification is, if you don't... You didn't know any of that when you got saved. You know what you knew the night you got saved? I'm going to hell. And if God doesn't forgive my sins, I'm sunk. And if that preacher had said, you know, the way to get your sin forgiven is stand on your head, you'd have started trying. You didn't have a theological understanding of imputation. You might not now. But (laughs) I'm telling you, this woman's a great picture of how the church, the church came into being. Here's this woman who comes out of nowhere. She's, she's been on her way to a horrible, horrible death as long as that nation of Israel has been alive. She's tried one thing after another and spent a fortune and she hadn't gotten any better. And she heard about Jesus and imperfect in her understanding, imperfect in her doctrine, imperfect in her history. She just fought her way through everything that stood between her and Jesus and said, I'm taking him. You know what? I'll bet you if you went back and really thought about the night you got saved, that's pretty much how it was. Now, you know more now than you did then. Praise God. And you got a better understanding now than you did then. Hallelujah. But you didn't start with a full knowledge and understanding of New Testament doctrine. You started with, I'm going to die if somebody don't help me. 
and I heard Jesus can help me. I'm getting, and so she laid hold upon the hem of his garment. And the Bible says straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And, and Jesus immediately, now watch this, this really, to me is interesting. Knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. You know when Jesus healed the blind man in John 9, he gave the blind man sight. You know when Jesus cleansed those ten lepers, they were free from their leprosy. You know when Jesus restored the withered hand of the man back there in, in, in Mark, uh, you know what he got? He got a hand that worked right. You know what this woman got? The, the righteousness, the holiness, the power of Jesus Christ some of it went out of him and into her. Now that's, that's different. Amen. The virtue of the Lord, not just healing, not just life, not just health, his virtue went out of him and into her. Amen. You want to happen you got saved and you didn't even know it? You want to happen you got saved and you didn't even ask for it? The Holy Spirit of God went forth from the Lord and took up residence in you. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and temperance and faith, you didn't learn to do that. God put it in you. When you got saved, you know, all you knew when you bowed your knees, it might have been here, it might have been your living room, it might have been on your job. When you called on Jesus Christ and asked Him to save you, you didn't say, oh, and, and P.S., give me virtue. Oh, P.S., give me the Holy Spirit. Oh, P.S., seal me to the day of redemption. Oh, by the way, I need your righteousness. All you wanted was to make sure you weren't going to hell. But the moment you laid hold on Jesus Christ by faith, His virtue went out of Him and into you. That's some picture in it. And so the Bible says, uh, He turned about and the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Uh, so obviously it wasn't predetermined for the foundation of the world she was going to have to do this. And His disciples said unto Him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And He looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, look what happens. She didn't confess anything before Jesus healed her. She didn't tell him anything before virtue went out of him and into her. He's not talking to her. She's not talking to him. They are total strangers one to the other. But no sooner does she lay hold upon the Lord by faith, no sooner does virtue go out of him and into her, than now she's talking to him and he's talking to her and there's a whole world going on around about him, but Jesus and that woman are having fellowship. How about that? You know what happened? As soon as you got saved, guess what you could do now that you never were doing before? You could have fellowship with Jesus Christ. How about that? What a, what a picture. And there's one more. There's one more little snapshot in this album. 
Watch this. The Bible says in verse number 33, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, behold of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, And the last one you can't see because it's not there to see. She comes out of nowhere. She's been dying, inching her way toward death as long as that girl's been alive. She has spent all that she had trying one thing after another and she's no better, she's only worse. What a picture of us in our own unsaved condition. She heard about Jesus. She came with imperfect knowledge and understanding, but in faith she laid hold upon Him. He made her whole. He put virtue into her. Amen. Amen. She began to commune with him and he began to commune with her and then she just disappears. She's just gone like she never was there. And the Lord picks up his dealing with that Jewish man just right where he was when he left off. Hey, what's going to happen to you? You came to Jesus by faith. You laid hold upon Him. He made you whole. He put virtue in you. He communes with you and you commune with Him. And one day, maybe tonight, you're just going to disappear. You're just going to be gone like you were never here on the face of the earth. Not just you, you and me and everybody that's saved. The church is gone. Isaac's going to come out of the tent, meet the bride halfway, take her back home to the, to the father's house, and we're going to turn the page and have a new story. How about that? That woman's a great picture of the New Testament church. She is injected, inserted into the middle of an account of the Lord dealing with a Jewish household. And when the Lord's through telling her tale... She disappears from off the page and he resumes the story right where it was when she interrupted it. That's the New Testament church. That's the place of the church in the Bible. That's what the Lord did for you. He's preparing a bride for himself. And he's going to take the bride out of this world and he's going to resume his... Okay, so let's let's watch the picture here of the nation of Israel. Verse 22. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Jesus went with him. Much people followed him and thronged him. Now, the Jews, their promise is healing, health, prosperity on this earth, why is this little girl sick and why is this little girl dying? The only re- now, now, look, this is where all Roberts and all these guys, this is where they messed themselves up and messed everybody else up. The Bible does say, if you obey God, you'll have perfect health. The Bible does say, if you'll keep my commandments, I'll put none of these diseases on you. The Bible does say, If you walk in my ways, I'll let one of you put a thousand to flight, ten thousand to flight. All of that's in the Bible. But it's not for Christians. It's for the nation of Israel under the law. So when when Jesus came, all those people he had to heal, every one of them was a testimony that the nation was disobedient. 
Every one of them was a testimony that the nation wasn't keeping God's commands and living in accord with the law. So what did this man do? When Jairus says, our only hope, my daughter is going to die because of our national disobedience, I've got to get to the Messiah. The Messiah is the only hope we have of healing. He did not go to the temple. He did not go to the altar. He did not go to the priest. He did not go to the rabbis. He did not go to the Pharisees. He went to the Messiah. Amen. That's the only hope he had. And as this representative man, just one out of, out of uh, apparently out of, out of many, as he, as he gets to Jesus and said, can you come and help us? We're going to die if you don't come and help us. As the Lord is on his way to Jairus' household, he gets interrupted. By what? This business with a woman. You know what Jesus said? You know what John 1. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. John 1.11. That's, that's what you just read in Mark 5. Verses 22 to 24. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There's that woman. And that's what's been going on since the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the rapture. It's that woman. And if the rapture sound, if the trumpet sounds tonight and we're raptured, what we are going to do is pick up in verse number 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any farther? Let me ask you something. Who but a... Now, no, the church is gone. So the people that believe the Bible are raptured. Who is left on this earth that's going to watch 21 tribulation judgments poured out on God's chosen people? Watch the Antichrist set up the image of the beast and cut their heads off and throw them in the fire by the hundreds of thousands. Who's going to look at that and say, well, just any day now, Jesus is going to make Israel the head of the nations and not the tail. Don't you know if you look in on that scene, I'm not talking about a Bible-believing Christian. I'm talking about a, a, a United Nations director or a pope or a minister, or a common man checking the news, who would look at that scene and say, Israel's best days are just around the corner? You know what the news is going to be for that Jewish people after the rapture? There's no point in calling on God now. It's hopeless. You don't believe that? Read the book of Revelation and, and, and mark how many times living people on the earth are asking God for help. They think it's too late. All they're trying to do is survive. And so the scripture says in verse number 36, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Could there possibly be a remnant of people after the church is raptured among the Jews who would actually believe that Messiah could come and save the day in a day like that? 
Keep reading. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Now, isn't there a multitude roundabout? But who, who is still walking with? Who is still hearing the words of? Who is still putting faith in the Messiah by the time we get back to this story? Four men and Jairus. That's a pretty small remnant out of a multitude, isn't it? What a picture you have. And so the Bible says, verse 38, And he cometh, and he cometh to the ruler, uh, the, to the house, the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. When Jesus gets to that house, there is weeping, there is wailing, there is sorrow, there is commotion, there is tribulation, there is apparently nothing but death and funerals. And Jesus says, I'm here. What are you crying about? I'm here. What's all this ado? What's all this weeping? What's all this wailing? And they're, they're looking at this girl who's dead. And the Lord, he says, it's, it's no harder for me to raise her from the dead than it is for you to wake her up in the morning. I'm the resurrection and the life. So who's on the scene? Look, that woman, picture the church, he kept her from dying. This girl, picture the nation of Israel, he can raise her from the dead. Keep reading. The Bible says, oh, verse, 30, verse number 40, and they laughed him to scorn. You know where they are? They're in Jairus' house. You know who's there? The Messiah's there. You know what the Messiah's there to do? Restore that girl to life. When he said, this is who I am, this is why I'm here, this is what I'm going to do, people in the house laughed at him. They mocked him. They didn't believe it. And, Bible says, but when he had put them all out. Now, now stay with the picture. Jesus Christ comes back to this earth to restore the nation of Israel and establish the kingdom. And when he gets back, there will be people here who lived through the tribulation but who never put any faith or trust in the Messiah. You know what the Bible says? What's this man doing here? We're here to have a wedding feast. What's he doing here without a wedding garment? Throw him out. Well, that isn't a saved man who got to heaven and was dressed improperly and got kicked out. And, and that's somebody who lived through the tribulation but wasn't allowed to enter the kingdom. When Jesus sets up that judgment, the sheep are on one side and the goats are on the other, He's already back. Amen. And the people standing before Him are alive at the end of the tribulation. And He takes half of them and throws them out. That's the picture. Jesus has... He, he's, he's come. He's at Jairus' house. He's going to raise her from the dead. <laughs> I don't believe you can do it. Well, then get out of here. He throws them out of the house. What a picture. And so the scripture goes on to say uh, that uh, we put them all out. He taketh the father and mother of the damsel and them that were with him. So there's just a remnant. And entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, 
arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. She hadn't been dead all her life, but at the very tail end of the story, she died. But Jesus came and raised her from the dead. Now watch this, watch carefully. And they were astonished with great astonishment. They didn't mock him, they didn't laugh at him, they didn't reject him, but they sure didn't know he was going to do that. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Now, watch this. See that woman? Remember the woman? What happened when the Lord, when we get to the end of her story, what happens? She disappears. Correct? What happens to this girl at the end of her story? She stays right where she was and eats with Jesus. I tell you, your old New Testament, they're, they're all set forth right there in, in John. Let, let, look, let me, let me show you. Get, get two places. Get first. Oh, by the way, before we leave here, in uh, verse 39, that's one of the two verses we have on the wall in our church nursery. Why, why make ye this ado and weep? <laughs> that's a good verse for church nursery. You know what the other one is? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <laughs> that's good. That's a good Bible verse for a nursery. All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and Ezekiel chapter 37. 1 Thessalonians 4, Ezekiel 37. All right. Watch, watch the bride. Look, look how the story ends for the bride of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. And man, we got a lot of ignorant brethren, don't we? <laughs> Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. You believe that? Yes. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. What's the qualification? Believing Jesus died and rose again. Not believing Jesus died and rose again, plus 50 other things. Okay, everybody okay with that? There's a lot you're supposed to do after you get saved, but there's not much you have to do to get saved. So, verse 15, This we, we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord Himself shall descend. Hallelujah. From heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Gone, vanished, disappeared, out of here, off the scene. That's the church. How many believe that? How many believe it? Yeah, okay, that's, that's our future. Now, Ezekiel 37. Let's go over here, Ezekiel 37 and verse number 1. Ezekiel 37, 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? God ever asked you a question? Here's the answer. You ready? And I answered, O Lord God, Thou knowest. (laughs) 
That's, that's what you tell him. Just, you, what are you asking me for? You know. And again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones, upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and bring, will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together. The knee bone connected to the thigh bone, and the thigh bone connected to the hip bone, and the hip bone connected. That's, that's, where, that's where it came from, right there. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, uh, prophesy, son of man, and say unto the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Tolkien stole that. Most everything Tolkien wrote, he stole from the Bible. The Lord didn't go down in the valley, in the in the heart of the, and the, you know, get the army of the dead and all that to win the last great battle. He's going to raise up the children of Israel and let them, let them join in his conquest of the land he promised them. Right? Listen, all this stuff. What, read the Bible. All the other books are just the Bible ripped off. Well, you know, the evil prince came and stole the bride and, he, and she's held by a fire-breathing dragon. And then the good prince came on a white horse with a sword and killed the fire-breathing dragon and set the princess free and took her to the palace to live with him. Yeah, we know that. We read the Bible. <laughs> they don't even change the characters. <laughs> Just the names are changed. So you'll love Prince Charming instead of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You're saved. You're Cinderella. That's you. If the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just thought of that one. I hadn't used that before. Now watch verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Why trouble the other master any farther? She's dead. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you to heaven. Uh-uh. And bring you into the land of Israel. See that? What's the future of the Jew? Resurrection and life in the land. What's the future of the church? Disappearing right off the scene. It's two different groups of people. It's two different backgrounds. It's two different histories. It's two different futures. All together. Now, one more thing. That woman, you know what she had to do? She had to come and seek Jesus. You know why? She has no claim upon him. You know what Jesus did? He went to the home of Jairus. Why? 
because he made some promises to that nation of Israel. Master, my daughter's sick. Be right there. It's a promise. That woman, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, what promise is that? It's not one. She just thought it up. Do you know something? There's some people tonight around this world coming to Jesus in some crazy ways that you wouldn't recommend. But he said, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You know, there's some movements we wouldn't be a part of. There's some methods we wouldn't, we wouldn't copy. There's some churches doing some things that scripturally they probably shouldn't be doing. But you know something? Everybody on earth that heard the gospel today and came to Jesus, he didn't refuse a one of them. He didn't say your preacher's carnal. He didn't say I don't agree with swallowing goldfish. He didn't say that's not how we do it at our church. Everybody that came to Jesus, he made them whole and put virtue in them. And one of these days we're going to disappear. But there's a little higher standard for Jairus. Because that Jew, he's got a law, he's got a covenant, he's got a commandment, he's got an altar, he's got a priesthood. And when Jesus got to his house, he said, you don't like the way I'm doing it? Get out of the house. We're doing this one way. That Bible, that's quite a book, isn't it? Now, here's the last thing I'm going to tell you. If you see that picture, Israel, 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 Jairus, 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 woman stuck in the middle, then she's gone. Israel, 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 Jairus, Jairus, Jairus. You can run that thing through the whole Bible. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we're just about to hit the 12 tribes, time out. Here's this low-down woman, Tamar. And look how the Lord pleads for her in grace and in mercy, though she doesn't deserve it. And then, oh, where were we? Oh, yeah, nation of Israel. And then we're coming along and we're, we're going down. Israel goes into Egypt and Israel comes out of Egypt and Egypt's wandered through the promised land. And, uh, uh, Egypt. Israel's, Israel's wandered through the promised land and Israel's about to go in and, 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 and go around Jericho and Israel's about to inherit the land, divide up the land and time out. There's this woman, Rahab. She's a harlot. She don't know nothing about God except he kills you if you don't agree with him. And she says, what do you want me to do? Well, hang a scarlet thread in the window. Good enough for me. And she does. And then where were we? Oh, yeah, walls of Jericho. Rahab's gone. And so we're reading on in our Bible. And they conquer the land. And they got some problem in the land. So we've got to send all these judges in. And now we're going to have Saul and David and Solomon at time out. There's this Moabite. Ruth, outlandish woman. She, none of this has anything to do with her. But you know what? She's going to come to Bethlehem, the house of bread, and seek the true and living God and end up in the royal family. Isn't that cool? Turn the page. Where were we? Oh, yeah, First Samuel. I'm telling you, all through that Bible, the story of God's dealing with the nation of Israel is interrupted by a woman who has no claim on God whatsoever. And by grace, God does something tremendous for her. And then... It's like she never was there, and we resume the story of God's dealings with Israel. Pretty amazing stuff. Amen. So whenever you are reading through your Bible and you come across a passage that's about a woman, 
who's done something untoward, slow down. It's probably you. It's probably us. We're the fallen woman with no hope in this world. But Jesus let us sneak up behind him and grab hold on the hem of his garment. And he made us whole and gave us virtue. And said, now come on up here. I got stuff to do at a house. And he raptures us and heads on down to Jairus' house and does what he promised him he would do. Bible's a fun book. Read it. Read it again. Read it one more time. Don't be in a hurry. Go slow. Take a look at it. Amen. Father, thank you for your word.